You're listening to Faith at Work, brought to you by LymeRevive.org. Information and healing for Lyme disease. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Faith at Work. I'm Carl Grant here with Mike Borton, a serial CFO who sold his last company for over $200 million. Mike, you've had an incredible career. I take it you don't need to work again anymore. But take me back to when you got started. Take me back to Indiana. You and I got our MBAs at the same school, Indiana University. And, and where did your career start from there? Carl, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so Indiana University, uh, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, Mom and dad were, you know, blue collar. And, you know, I was the first one to go to my college and got blessed to go to uh, Indiana University of Bloomington and taught accounting. And after that, I uh, met my wife there, actually. It was a, uh, a double double benefits of graduating from Indiana and joining NCR and uh, financial planning and then uh, followed my wife to uh, get married and moved to Detroit and joined a company called Slumberjay, who I butchered the name the entire time during the interview and big oil field service company in the cat cam industry and and got to see the world. They said, Michael, get a passport. I'm like, what is a passport? Fortunately, I had an admin tap me on the shoulder and goes, Mike, give me your birth certificate and a few other things. I'll get it done for you. And got to see the world. We got to live in Paris. We moved to Houston, Texas when we, our second daughter was like a week old. Somebody picked up and moved us to do the oil and gas industry. Then they, after a year, they picked up and moved us to Paris, France. And so here I'm a finance person with staff around the world. I had employees in Singapore, Dubai, Caracas, um, Calgary, Houston, and a bunch of uh, Stavanger, Norway, and London, England. And got to see the world and got to deal with a lot of different personalities. And then they picked up and moved us to London, where the food wasn't so good. And, uh, and then they said, Mike, how about Jakarta? And my wife said, two kids in diapers, now three countries, uh, time out. And I joined me a, a fast-growing technology company in Houston. And we grew that company very quickly. It was $35 million publicly traded, got to $150 million in 18 months. And then we got bought by a company called Halliburton who was uh, CEO at the time, was somebody people probably know, Dick Cheney. And somebody actually asked Dick Cheney in the meeting, hey, Mr. Cheney, Bob Dole's looking for a VP candidate. Are you interested? He goes, no, I've done my public service, and this pays a little bit better. So then four years later, here he you know, became the VP of the uh, United States. And what was your role in that company? Uh, I was the operations controller, so number two finance guy, and uh, uh, worked with the uh, development team, sales team, and uh, customer support on, you know, growing the company. And what happened next? What was your next role? Well, a bunch of ex-landmarkers, this company down in Houston, moved to Northern Virginia. They took a company public in 98. They tried to get me to join, but I'd moved so often that my wife would have killed me. So when they called in 2000 saying, hey, we're taking a second company public, Mike, do you want to join us? I said, absolutely. So I said, okay, I'm coming. And unfortunately, uh, I got some great experience during that. We never got out. We became one of the dot-com bust. Uh, you know, it happens, right? God blesses us. And then they're done that, yeah. And, uh, and so it got us to Northern Virginia in 2000, and we've been here ever since. Um, went to work for uh, another company called Invinces, deputy CFO for a $2.4 billion division. Um, headquarters was in Boston, so I commuted to Boston for a couple of years. And then I was going to move to Boston, and one of my neighbors who worked for Accenture, a guy named Stu Solomon, um, got a call, and he said, Hey, uh, they were looking for a COO, CFO in, in the Maryland area. He goes, I don't want Mike to move. And so 
I went on that job. We were backed by GE, Internet Capital Group, Interpublic Group, and uh, Avanta. We were a big call center, big data. I was the COO and the CFO. We grew the company quickly. And within 18 months, we got bought by a group out of Pakistan, which is kind of strange. Uh, they were getting World Bank money to generate jobs in Pakistan, buying U.S. companies and moving the jobs to Pakistan. So I stayed for about eight months after the acquisition, and then I moved on to another opportunity. So I got recruited away and joined a company called Console Risk Management. It was in the cybersecurity space. We were about 100 employees. Uh, we grew the company qu quickly. Most 80 of the employees were in Delft, Netherlands. And the rest of the employees were here in the U.S. And Carl probably remembers this story. IBM came to buy us. IBM showed up with 65 people to do the due diligence in the Cooley office. We had 10 of us doing the interview. So we would walk from one room to another. They said, let's meet the person who does HR. Uh, so I'd walk over to the room. Let's meet somebody who does IT. I'd walk in the room and, you know, do that interview. It was crazy. But, you know, IBM bought this small cybersecurity company. They grew it from, we were going to do probably $40 million. They did well north of $200 million the first year of IBM. It was the IBM swoosh factor. Uh, we had a great management team, great employees, and had a lot of fun. Left there, started with a, um, helped out a guy named John Burton, was investing in a small company. He asked me to step in and help Laji. So I helped a guy named Armand Ashragi, a local serial entrepreneur, get through his first budget, get through his first acquisition, get through his audit, and just kind of helped him. And then I followed my former CEO at Console Risk Management, the Dutch security company, joined a company called Harmony that's in the healthcare and IT space. And so I joined him there as the CFO. We were backed by JMI and Updata, and we, um, we did something really good. So what Harmony did was it helped people stay in their homes longer by providing technology to state and local governments to manage the aging and intellectual disabilities po um, population. So we would provide tools to keep you in your home longer through state-aided money. And then we grew that company fast, and then we got bought by a company called Metaware, which was a company Tomo Bravo had taken private. So I get bought again. So, you know, the joke is I join a company, and sometime later, your investors are going to be happy, your employees are going to be happy because they're going to make money on options, and then I'm looking for a next job. Because CFO stands for not chief financial officer, but certain First out when you get bought. <laughs> right. And then uh, most recently, I joined a small cybersecurity software company um, doing cybersecurity awareness based on technology out of Carnegie Mellon University. The founders were three professors. We grew the company from five to, we'll do approaching 60 million, 18, over a three-year period of time. So we went from five to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 40. And then we got acquired by Proofpoint, um, as you said, for well north of uh, $200 million in uh, early 2018. And so CFO, as we know, stands for certain first out. So I'd stayed up for my lockup period and uh, recently have been bothering my wife around the house for the last several months. So you're, you're available for hire, huh? For the next company that wants to get acquired. Yeah. If you want to get bought, hire me. Yeah. <laughs> so so you mentioned to me earlier that your accounting teacher had something to do with you coming to faith as a young man. Tell me how that happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, and had grew up in a Christian home. Uh, we attended a Lutheran church. But the first time I really heard what it took, you know, I had absolute, without a doubt, salvation, was I had a, a high school teacher in a public high school teaching accounting I was taking and said, hey, Mike and a couple other of us, do you guys mind staying after class one day? And he sat down with us 
and shared with us how we could absolutely know with absolute assurance about our salvation. I think he had gone through like the evangelism explosion program or something like that um, because he shared with us how I would know for certain. And not only did he change my life forever, but he also, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go to college and what I was going to major in college. I thought I was going to be a lawyer, and I, but I didn't know what I was going to do for undergrad, you know, poli-sci or pre-law. You know, pre but I said, hey, let's become an accountant. So he changed my life for the better for two different things, accounting and my spiritual life. That's a great story, Mike. So is, is your faith something that you just take to church with you on Sundays, or is it something you take to the office with you, and what does that look like? Um, absolutely in the office. And, you know, in, over my career, I've been very blessed to work in companies that have been other with other believers. And the people who aren't believers recognize that I have a, I'm a little different, right? And why are we different? When I was in Houston, Texas, we actually had a Bible study in the office. And we had 40, we had probably 500 people in the building. We had 40 or 50 people showing up every week for lunch. We had outside sp speakers come in. Um, I was on the board of Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Houston. And I would take people, we'd have pro athletes speak at lunch and share their testimonies. And I'd take, you know, 10 or 15 people in my office with me. And uh, I got more out of that than they got out of me, you know, being on the board. Because I got to see how coaches impacted students and made a life. Like, I got saved in high school. You know, I was giving back by being part of Houston FCA because coaches were changing other young men and women's life uh, by sharing the faith. And you mentioned that you had throat cancer. How did that play out in the workplace? Yeah, so back in 2012, um, I went to the doctor for my annual physical, thinking like anybody would be, well, maybe not Carl here, but I go in and they say, drink more water, lose 10 pounds, and exercise more. And uh, about a few minutes into the, uh, toward the end of the um, physical, I, I've known this doctor for a long time. He's feeling my neck and he goes, Mike, do you have any sore throat? Do you feel bad? I go, no. And he got his face changed. He says, Mike, I don't like those lumps on your neck. Um, this is not good. So he literally set me down, set up a CT appointment um, the next day. Um, I was on a board with JMI, and JMI and Updated got me into John Hopkins within days. I called John Hopkins and said, hey, it's going to take me, you know, 40 days to see this, doc this doctor. Um, the doctor's office called back literally three hours later after I told JMI I couldn't get in for a month. And the guy saw me, the doctor saw me on my, on it two days later. So, you know, being a CFO has its positives and negatives. And that's where, you know, the private equity guys stepped in and venture guys stepped in and supported me. But going through it, people saw me with a positive attitude. I don't know how anybody goes through cancer without knowing him, having faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, I tried to come to the office every day. People saw me struggling with it. You know, I had a feeding tube. Um, I couldn't talk very well. I still have days, um, but I had a saliva transplant. I had seven weeks of radiation, uh, seven weeks of uh, chemo. Um, you know, I was pretty sick. Um, I had stage four. So, you know, but other bodies of believers wrapped their arms around me. They called me to see how I was doing. And then we had weekly Bible studies. I was leading other people. And still today, other people go through throat cancer. I've mentored probably 10 guys now going through it and talking about faith and how faith gets you through it. Well, that's a great story. And you also have been involved with other community groups like the High Tech Prayer Breakfast. And, and you've um, 
managed to invite people out. I don't think you missed a beat even through the cancer, did you? I tried not to. I tried not to. And again, after I went through cancer, my family would say I changed a little bit. Um, Work-life balance probably came a little bit better. But the big thing at work is people who saw me go through it would just come in my office at Harmony, shut the door, and talk about their lives and share their lives. I mean, I, I've had that happen on, but at Harmony there, it seemed like every week someone in their family is going through difficulty. They would say, Mike, do you mind calling them? Or, Mike, do you mind just sitting around, sitting in the office and praying? Can you pray for us? You know, people would just walk in that didn't have any faith and said, Mike, can you just pray for us? I saw you get through cancer. I see you today. You had stage four, and you survived. But you had a good mind going through it. Well, thank you very much, Mike Borton, Carl Grant here at Faith at Work. Please join us online, www.facebook.com slash faithatworkradio. Yes, I gotta have faith. You have been listening to Faith at Work with Carl Grant, brought to you by LimeRevive.org. I gotta have faith.